The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. How many of you have a question in your mind right now? I don't know. You did. Listen, about what? That's a question. Some of you are asking yourselves, who is this much taller and skinnier version of Jesse standing before you today? How many, asking, uh, how many of you can honestly say you have no clue who I am? Perfect. Good. I don't know who you are either, so we're in the same boat. My name is Jay. Um, it is an honor and a privilege to be here today, worshiping with you guys, sharing the word with you. Um, a month ago, uh, Jesse, Pastors Stephanie, Jesse, and Jeffany. It's a third service, y'all. <laughs> Jesse and Tiffany approached Pastor Honey and I. Um, we were working on um, just preaching the kingdom um, where God had planted us and talked to us about this new journey that Christ Church has been on and asked us to pray. And as we prayed, we quickly realized that the Holy Spirit was doing something pretty incredible in our hearts and our lives and joining us together. And um, so a month ago, we said yes to that call. And uh, we have a lot of questions still. And it's okay to have questions, right? Sometimes in order to get the peace that passes all understanding, you have to give up your right to understand because it's on the other side of that. And to receive that peace uh, that we're walking in now it's taken a little bit of time, but um, understanding that there's, there's always these questions and there's always a, um, the opportunity for doubt and for fear and for unbelief to step in. But one of the things that we've, we've learned on this journey over the past um, year since my family moved down here a little over a year ago from the great state of Nebraska, I almost couldn't get that out of my mouth. <laughs> Anybody from the Midwest? Okay, all you Midwest people are so quiet. It was me. We're polite. We don't talk in church. Come on, if you're from the Midwest, give me a yeehaw. There we go. Midwest, let's go. Iowa, let's go. It's good. Uh, So yeah, we moved down here about a year ago from the Midwest and have been, uh, what'd you say? Don't talk to me while I'm preaching, bro. I'm I'm so ADD. Anybody here actually from Florida? Oh, so I got just as many Midwesterners as I do actual Floridians. Let's go. Anybody from, uh, let's, let's say, the eastern seat, let's, let's, like New York area, like, oh, let's go. Oh, y'all. Um, any West Coasters? Gross. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. Yeah. Midwesterners. Yeah, we think that's funny. Midwesterners. I'm going to get this fixed. Hold on just a second. Okay, good. Um, where was I even talking about? Oh, yeah. Uh, I work here. Um, yeah. We've learned that through this process, that of all the questions that we've asked and seeking the Lord on what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do this, we've realized that um, there's only one true measure of success within the kingdom of God, and that's obedience. One of my pastors once told me, Jay, you can measure a lot of things. You can measure attendance. You can measure giving. You can measure children's ministry, your outreach, your missions program. But the one thing that you always need to measure for yourself is your obedience. Are you being obedient to what Jesus said? 
And in that process of being obedient to Jesus, what Jesus has been saying in our hearts and our lives, um, it's brought us to the point of a lot of questions. And questions are good. I love questions. How many of you have ever had a three-year-old living in your house? Then you understand questions. Why? <laughs> Why can't I go on the street? Why can't I touch the stove? Why can't I stick this up my nose? Why? Um, and along this journey of, of, of ministry and of life, we've been asking ourselves a lot of the same questions. God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Like, how can we partner with you? Understanding that our yes is the greatest form of success that we can walk in within the kingdom of God. And so that obedience has been challenged um, so many times. And throughout life and through this journey, there's opportunity to always have questions. And having the right questions is absolutely key for you to step into what God has called you to do. How many of you just feel like just coming to church is the ultimate call on your life? No, you have a purpose and a destiny outside of this place. You're created with purpose and destiny in your DNA. There is literally the breath of God blow. He blew into you purpose and life and destiny. And it's impossible to find that outside of him. But these questions always arise within our hearts and within our lives. And it's always good because I want to share with you a verse in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. I absolutely love it. Let's read it together in three, two, one, boom. Call to me. Let's read it together. I'll try again. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. How many of you know that God is calling us to partner with him? He literally says, call to me. And I'm going to show you great and mighty things which you know, that you don't even know. So two things in here. Number one, you don't know everything. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's you. You don't know everything. Come on, y'all. It's the 12 o'clock service. Y'all slept in today. You probably had a great meal already before you got here. Y'all need to be alive with me, okay? I, require, I, like, I need help. I'm not, I'm not a good preacher as Jesse, okay? I need your help. You talk to me. We're walking through this. Number one, we don't know everything. The good news is he says, I'm asking you to partner with me. Call on me. Ask me the questions and I want to, I'll tell you the things that you don't even understand. How many of you walked through some seasons of life where you've, you've gone through a circumstance or situation where it required you to ask God of something very difficult? Maybe it was something outside of your own control. Maybe it was abuse. Maybe it was uh, 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 just whatever situation you walked through growing up. Maybe it was something that you, you stepped into like addiction or, 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 or abuse of, of substances. Maybe all of those things, they, they took you to a place that made you question everything about life. Let me tell you, when you're questioning things about life, you are in a really good place because his promise is, I will answer you in that place. Anybody need some answers today? Family, job, stuff's going on in life. You need some answers today. That's awesome. Christ Church, as we're walking through this transition, I understand that there are questions that you have. How is this going to work? And like, we got two campuses now. When are we going over there? Who's preaching over there? Who's, who's going to be here? How are we doing worship? And those are all really good questions. You're going to get to learn very quickly that we are some of the most honest people you will ever meet. Um, and we will tell you, we don't know. We're going to figure it out, though, because sometimes in life, you don't need the roadmap. You just need to know who you're following. Amen. 
Sometimes you don't need to know every turn, everything, every, but you need to know, hey, listen, I can see Jesus there and he's still in front of us, so we're good. Like Jesse said a couple weeks ago, I wanna be behind the one that with the sword coming out of his mouth, right? We're gonna stay behind Jesus. And anywhere he goes, we're gonna go. What he says do, we're gonna do. And I just need you to be confident in that. And along those lines, I know that there's been opportunity for frustration and for questions and for, for things to rise up within you. Maybe even sermons that, that maybe you don't agree with or direction that you haven't agreed with. Listen, we don't want you to leave mad. We wanna be open to having those conversations. There may be a time when you need to do something else, that God is calling you somewhere else. But listen, we want you to know that this is a safe environment to ask the questions. This is not a safe environment to have conversations outside of those who can actually answer your questions, though. That's called a deceitful tongue and gossip. If you don't have any clue what I'm talking about, good, wonderful, you're living good. If you're like, uh, that might be me, good, wonderful, you have an opportunity. Thanks, brother. You know what I'm talking about. All right, yeah, let's go. Sometimes we ask questions in order to get our own opinions hopefully received by someone else. That's called a deceitful tongue and gossip, and it will bear fruit that you do not want that in your life. God will not be mocked. Whatever man sows, that also he shall reap. Oftentimes we look at that, we look at the negative of that of saying, hey, you better be careful. We tell our kids, what you sow, you're going to reap. You better be careful. But listen, what if you begin to reap life about what, this transition that we're going through? What if you begin to speak life? What if you begin to say, God, I don't understand it all, but I know that you're doing something amazing. We're going to see revival in Daytona Beach. We're going to see revival in Port Orange. We're going to see the, the, the altars filled with the glory of God. We're going to see people absolutely changed by his presence and his goodness. So if we begin to speak those things, guess what? God will not be mocked. Whatever man sows that also he shall reap. Do not reap gossip, deceitful tongue in this season, especially because the enemy is looking at any place that he can weasel his way in and plant seeds, lies that will produce something down the road. You don't want that. We don't want that. Amen. Amen. So ask the right questions. Ask questions. If you need to email me, I'm going to give you my email real quick. Write it down. Jay at joinwithjesus.org. Man, everybody give it up for, for those guys back there. They do an incredible job. I say, put my email up. They put my email up. I say, um, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to, I was going to test them real quick. No, but it's really good. We want you to ask the questions. We need to, any, any questions you have, feel free to ask us um, because we want to be open and honest through this process because we understand that when clarity comes, safety, security also, we step into that. And when you're, when you're in an environment where you feel like you can be yourself, that is the best place you could ever be. So begin to ask the questions, begin to ask the right questions. And in order to ask the right questions, I think that we need to come to the understanding, especially today as I, as I minister, as I preach, we need to come to this understanding of a thought process that I have and how I see the world so that you can hopefully get to the same place I am. Because how many of you know, we all wear glasses. We all see the world through the lenses of our own, pers- of our own experiences and our own perceptions, right? You wear glasses, period. I wear glasses, When it comes to the word of God and when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to be very careful about the lenses that we see his word through because his word has very, it is not a self-righteous word. This, this word is not necessarily a commentary on you or your life or how you respond. This is the commentary of the living God. This, the gospel is not about you. It's about Jesus. 
When you make the gospel about you, it's very self-centered, self-righteous, and you actually are limiting the gospel of Jesus Christ with your own experiences and perspectives. But if you can begin to see the word of God through the perception of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you begin to see his glory revealed in every aspect of your life. You begin to see this word come alive, come alive inside of you. It begins to lead you and guide you not to where you want to go, but to where he has called you to be. See, we have to take our eyes off ourselves within this, within this concept of, uh, of the scripture. And we have to have the lenses of heaven when we read this book. This, you are not the main character of the gospels of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry to tell you that. <laughs> Some of you are heartbroken right now. You're not the main character. Guess who is? Jesus. And he's a really good hero. Have you heard the song, Jesus, you're my superhero? No, never mind. The book is not a commentary on how you relate to God as much as how he relates to his people. And in the middle of that, you find purpose and destiny. From cover to cover, the gospel is all about Jesus. It's about his work. It's about his grace. It's about his love. It's about his redemption. We have to throw off this idea of self-centered gospel and put on the lenses of everything that God is doing and the questions that he has and the, and the answers that he has all revolves around his kingdom. Listen, I am not trying to diminish. Some of you are thinking in your head, um, you know, the work of grace over your life and what he's doing you. Listen, I'm not diminishing your testimony, but your testimony has less to do with how good you are and a lot to do with how good he is. Like just because he did amazing work in your life doesn't mean that you should have been where you were when he found you. Amen. How many of you saved yourself? How many of you, once we get saved, we're like, this is, this is a lot, has a lot to do with me. And I'm here to tell you, listen, we just got to throw that off. It's okay. We just got to think, think about it in a different way because I don't want to diminish what he's done in you. I just want to say that he is so great that he would be willing to give his grace and his mercy and his love and his forgiveness to us. Why is it important to see the word of God in the context of this? Because undoubtedly through life, we will fail him. We will mess up. We'll, we'll screw this thing up. But he is really good at maintaining his portion of the relationship that he has with his children. You ever heard that story of, of the older old man and, man and wife driving down the road? They were driving in a pickup with a bench seat. Anybody remember bench seats? It was a thing. There was no seatbelt in the middle. It was a really good, loving, like it was, it was a good time to be alive, okay? And uh, this old man was driving down the road. They'd driven this old Ford pickup for years and years and years. No clue how the thing is still running because it was a Ford. It's just crazy. It was a miracle of God, okay? So he's driving down in a Ford pickup, and uh, his wife looks over at him and says, I miss the times when we would sit together. Just driving down the road, we would sit together. We would hold hands. I really, really miss that. And the old man looks at his wife, and he said, Who moved? Oftentimes in our relationship with Jesus, we're looking and we find ourselves far away from him. We find ourselves distant from him. We find ourselves in a place that we never intended. And we say, God, where are you? What are you doing in this season? What are you doing in this life? And God said, I didn't move. You did, bud. Like slide over. We're here. We're in the same boat. We're, we're, we're in the same truck together. Just slide over. What gets you to that place? What gets you to that place of intimacy? I really believe it's seeing God the way that you're supposed to see him and beginning to ask the right questions because he's quick to answer. The under, this understanding of the gospel leads us to ask the right questions. We take our eyes off ourselves and we put them on Christ. And suddenly we walk in clarity when we ask these questions. Why? Because in Colossians, it tells us we were created by him for him. 
you will never find your purpose on this earth outside of a relationship with Jesus. You won't. Because you were created for it. Anybody, you've seen all, you see all these stories of, of these famous people. They got money. They got cars. They got houses. They, got, they can do whatever. They got planes. They got all these things. And yet they're so broken and empty inside. Why? Because no one was created for anything other than relationship with the Father. And in that, when you find wholeness, all the other things are added unto you. Maybe you, walk, you have walked in these seasons of life where you feel like, okay, things are going good. Maybe things are, but, but there's just something missing. And I want to tell you that anytime we feel like there's something missing, it's not him who moved, it's us. We have the opportunity to step back into a place of intimacy and relationship with him. Why? Because that's what we were created for. But your purposes and callings do not become reality outside of him, period. It can't happen. We have to stop searching for, we have to stop seeing, and we have to begin to humble ourselves and boldly become before this throne of grace where we, it's not about us. It's all about the mighty work of Jesus. The hardest times to understand this is when things just don't make sense in life. Anybody been in a place where you're just like, what? Some of you are like, right now, (laughs) I came here in that place. You go through life, if you haven't gone through with one of these, these moments, you will, I promise you, because it's a promise of Jesus, to be honest with you. He said, in this life, you will have trouble. I mean, love the promises of God. I love the promises of God too, but I don't like that one. But we don't get to pick and choose which promises we like and we don't like. He said, in this life, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer for I have already overcome the world. He said, you're going to walk through some things, but I need you to have the right perspective in the middle of that because I've already overcome. I've already won. We already have the victory through Christ Jesus, but in the middle of it, it's not going to feel that way. Because if it didn't feel that way, he wouldn't have said you had trouble. He would have said you would have had awesome times all the time. It would have been a party. It would have felt good. Everything would have been good. No, he didn't say that. He says, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer for I've already overcome the world. In those moments of questioning, in those moments, in those moments that, that you don't understand it and you don't get it, I need you to know that it is in those times that, that we, we're ultimately directed and it, it puts us on a trajectory in life because it's affecting the way we see the world. So we have to, in those times, see the world the right way. There are moments in your life that you're going to ask the question why. I want to tell you about one of those moments in 2008 for my life. My wife and I had two amazing children. My wife is here. Hey, can everybody wave at my wife? All right, sorry, my wife wave. You don't have to wave at my wife. Stop waving at my wife. My wife, can you, wife? I'm having trouble. Hey, babe, that's my wife. She's pretty, I love her. Um, My wife and I had two children. um, And we really felt like because we were such amazing parents and we did everything so perfectly right, that we, God probably is calling us to have all the children. And so we decided we should have more because we were so good at parenting. Our first two survived, so we were happy. Um, so we were stepping into praying about that and seeing with the Lord, and we really felt like the Lord had led us to uh, expand our family, have another child. And so uh, did that. She got pregnant um, we're just feeling the favor and the blessing of the Lord. We're super excited about it. Um, when we went into our third, um, my wife's giving me a dirty look right now. <laughs> we went into uh, to one of our appointments where we would go in. They would, they would put the goo 
over there and we would hear heartbeats and see movement. It was going to be super fun. Um, it wasn't a good day in our lives. Uh, we went in and the, and the gal came in and she, she was doing the test and we were seeing the weird movie screen blob and she said, something's wrong. Hold on. Let me step out. She didn't have a lot of information for us other than that there was no heartbeat and that the pregnancy wasn't viable. That changed things for me. That was a moment. That was just a glimpse. That was just a moment among many. I walked out of that room and my wife and I just held each other, cried. It was cold and it was empty hallway and my heart felt empty and my life felt empty. Nothing felt right. In that moment, I had the opportunity to be shaped. In that moment of vulnerability, of brokenness, I had the opportunity either to stay in that place or to say, God, this is not what you said. This is not what I felt like you should have done. This is not what I thought we were going to walk in. And listen, I'm not saying God did that. There's a sovereignty of God. Everything passes through the hands of God. I believe that. But in that moment, I had to choose something. And I didn't feel like choosing worship. I didn't feel like choosing trust. I didn't feel like choosing hope. I didn't feel like choosing joy. And I'll be super honest with you. If I can be, can I be honest with you right now? I know I'm preaching, but let me be honest with you. I didn't do a really good job of loving Jesus well for, for, for a little bit. I was mad. Many of you have walked through something like that. You've walked through trials. You've walked through tribulations. You've walked through circumstances. Maybe they have your own choice. Maybe they were some outside circumstances. But you know what I'm talking about. You know that feeling. You know that frustration. You know the question. You know the shaking your fist at heaven saying, God, where in the heck were you? What were you doing? What was your process? I don't believe that this feels or looks good. But I had to choose in that moment to worship to trust and to love. And in that moment, I didn't see the plans and the purposes of God. Looking back with retroactive faith, it's very easy to see what God was doing. This is my family. Now you can see I have three beautiful children. This is my family now. Yes. Sorry, I had to will it up there. This is my family now. My son, Caden, me, my wife, Emily, Isabella, and the cutie in the middle is our 12-year-old, Sophia. This picture would look different without what we went through. But God had a plan. He had a purpose. I don't know if I would know my beautiful 12-year-old little girl over there if I hadn't walked through one of the hardest circumstances of our lives but chose to worship. Amen? We don't know. And we got to be okay with not knowing sometimes. We got to be okay with not having it figured out, but this is the worst thing you can do in the moment of your biggest trial, the moment of first moment of frustration. You can not stop. You are not called to live in the moments of pain. You're not called to live there. Oftentimes though, those places that that mold us and, and that direct us, 
become our habitation. You see people all over the world. Maybe you're in this room and they're just hurting and they're broken and they're angry and they're frustrated. Listen, it's not because that's the way God made them. It's because they found a place of hurt and they just chose to stay there. They live there. Why can we have grace for people? How can we love people well? How can we be kind to those who are not kind to us? How can we be, have peace in the, in the midst of people treating us poorly? And be, because it's nothing more than they got stuck. They just got stuck in a moment. And there was a guy in the Bible that was stuck in a moment. His name was Nathaniel. If you'll go with me to John chapter one very quickly. John chapter one, verses 43 through 51. I want to read this. Who loves the word of God in here? Come on, let me hear you say amen. 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 It says, the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. Aren't you glad Jesus still wants to go places? I like kind of thinking of this process of Jesus wanted to go meet. Philip, he wanted to go meet Nathaniel. He wanted to encounter some people. <laughs> Excuse me. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew. And Peter, Philip, found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him, Moses, in the law, and all the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite and indeed, indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now, listen, I think the Bible, the words in the Bible are there on purpose. And that's important in this context. It is important when we read this to understand that there is a reason that there wasn't an identifying factor on what was going on in Nathaniel's life. But he just said, I saw you in the midst of the fig tree. And when we, I want to get there in just a second. Jesus went and he called Philip. And immediately, how many of you know that the first thing that Philip did when Jesus said, follow him, is he went the other way? You ever notice that? It's like if I would say, Kyle, hey, Kyle, follow me. And Kyle just got up and walked that direction. If there was thing Philip did, and it, it, it wasn't a bad thing, it's just a commentary on who Jesus calls, is the first thing he did, he said, hey, listen, I, yes, I'm going to follow you, but I got to go find somebody first. I got to go. How many of you love evangelism? You love finding the hurting and the broken and the lost. Immediately when Jesus said to him, he said, hey, you're going to follow me. Nathaniel said, or Philip said, yep, I know I am. I got to go. I got to go get this other dude too, because he needs to hear what you're about to say to me. Come on. How many of you know the call of God in our lives is not just for yourself. It is for those around you, for those you love, for those who are hurting and broken and lost. And Philip knew that there was a guy who was hurting right now that, that, that needed to hear the words that were coming out of this guy's mouth. Listen to me. Jesus is still calling people today. How many of you are grateful for that? And sometimes, sometimes he'll find them where he are. And sometimes he'll call you to go get them. Sometimes he'll put you in a place that's hard. Sometimes he'll put you in a position that's hard. Sometimes he'll put you in a situation that's difficult. Why? Because you may be the only person on the face of this planet who can go and get Nathaniel. 
You think that when Jesus called Philip, he didn't know Nathaniel was coming with him. It was a group deal. No, but he put responsibility on Philip. Why? Because Philip in his DNA was called to be an evangelist. Jesus could have just as easy said, hey, I, I, let's go get Nathaniel. No, he said, Philip, follow me. And Philip said, okay, I got to go be myself. I got to go do what God has called me to do. So Nathaniel went and found Philip and he said, Philip, you have to come. We found the one that we've been waiting for, the King of Kings, the Lord, of Lord the one that everybody, the Messiah, he's here and, and, and he's from, from Nazareth. And Nathaniel was like, okay, this is a joke. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Second thing I want to say, how many of you are grateful that God can bring good things out of anything. And you need, to, you need to love that because, listen, you're anything. How many of you would say, I am imperfect? Raise your hand if you say, I am imperfect. If you are not raising your hand, you need to have your hand up because you're a liar. <laughs> Slap somebody else's hand that's up and say, Yay! Why should you be happy about this? Because every imperfection is an opportunity for Jesus to show up. It's an opportunity for his grace. My, my daughter just slapped another girl in the face in church. That was great. Uh, sweetheart, I love you. You're so pretty. Okay. Um, every opportunity, every imperfection is an opportunity for the grace of God to be, to be manifest within your life and with those around you. You want to get frustrated with people around you for not being perfect? That's okay. You can do that or you can introduce them to Jesus like Philip did. And you can say, okay, so, so Philip, he's from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? He said, just come and see. As Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he called out to Nathanael and he said, it, there, right there is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. When he says in there, there is no deceit, what he was saying was, there is an honest man. Let me tell you something. If you're going to get through everything that God has called you to get through, you got to be honest about where you're at. There's too many fake Christians out here. There's too many fake coming to church and just putting on a mask and thinking we're all good. Listen, we have to be a place where we're allowed to be honest with each other. There is imperfections all throughout this room, and that is okay. Why? Because we all come under the perfect one who covers us in the blood of Jesus. And when we walk that way without expectation on other people, without judgment on other people, guess what? Everyone gets to see Jesus for who he is. He's not this exclusive club where only you and the ones, us four and no more, and, and, and only the good ones get to come see Jesus. It's this opportunity and invitation for everyone to taste and see and know that Jesus is good. How many of you want to live that life? How many of you wanted that to be your legacy of people saw Jesus through me and I took him to the three feet of Jesus? Jesus spoke to Nathaniel and he said, listen, while you were under the fig tree, I saw you. He did not say what Nathaniel was going through. And I think, like I said, the Bible speaks on purpose. He didn't say, I saw your failure. He didn't say, I saw the death in your family. He didn't say, I saw the divorce. He didn't say, I saw the addiction. He didn't say, anything. he said, I saw you, whatever your lowest point was, you get to fill in the blank. And let me tell you something. There's moments in life that have opportunity to define you. There are fig tree moments in your life. That's what I like to call them. There are moments when Jesus can look at you and say, while you were right there, when he says, I saw you, everything can change. Nathaniel didn't respond. Well, what, what did you see? Like, oh, you saw that? Oh, my, my bad, Jesus. He said, while you were under that fig tree, I saw you. And Nathaniel's response was, truly, you are the son of God. Now, I have some questions. What in the world happened 
under that tree. What happened that was such a traumatic experience for Nathaniel that all Jesus had to say was, hey, I saw you in that place and everything changed in a moment like that. What happened in that place? I love the fact that the Bible doesn't tell us. Why? Because it's an invitation for your fig tree moment. It's an invitation for your brokenness, for your hurt, for what they did, for for what you chose and walked in, for the hurt and the pain and the depression and the anxiety and the fear and the doubt. It's an opportunity for for all of those things, for the abuse, for all of those things to come under that point of the fig tree and for Jesus to look at that and say, listen, I saw you while you were in that place. And would you let the fire that is in my eyes that Jesse talked about last week, come in and allow you to see righteousness and holiness and love and my kindness and my goodness in that moment. You don't have to leave the fig tree for me to see you. I'm going to see you there. And that's going to draw you out. My goodness is going to lead you into a place of intimacy and relationship with me. And listen to me very carefully. Nathaniel had every opportunity to live in that place, but Philip chose to go get him. And Jesus chose to say, I see you. Jesus is saying the same thing to you today. He's saying, I see you. I see your hurt. I see your frustration. I see the things that have shaped you in your life. And I really need you to let those things go because the things that you're going to see within the kingdom of God are far greater than anything that, uh, uh, anything that you would want to stay in right now. I'm preaching a lot better than your amen in today, y'all. It's a little Southern... How many of you in this place can say, I know my fig tree moment. I've walked through that. I still feel that. I live in that place. I'm going to invite the worship team to come for just a moment because I really believe that the Lord wants to do something in this place. I believe that You have an opportunity. We all have an opportunity to be seen by Jesus. To say, Jesus, this is my moment. This is the place where I've felt the most broken and hurt and lost. This is the place that is defining me and keeping me from the destiny and purposes that you're calling me to. Listen, we cannot be who we are unless you begin to be who you are. You got to believe that. Every single one of you. Every single one of you. We cannot be who God has called us to be as a body of Christ until you step into who you're called to be. Why is that important? Because listen, God has something incredible for this region. God has something incredible for your family. God has something incredible for your business. God has something incredible for this church. And for us to step into that, we need you to understand who God has called you to be. And that will not happen when you live in the fig trees of your life. It's time to come out. It's time to step out. It's time to lay it before the feet of Jesus and allow the beautiful gaze of the Father to wash over you. What did Jesus do when he spoke to Nathaniel and said, I see you? He said, listen, you were not alone. Kyle, you were not alone in that moment. I was with you. I was holding. I saw you. I had a purpose and a plan for that, that you're going to maybe you're not going to understand right now. But I saw you in that moment, in those in, in the words that that person spoke over you. I saw in that moment. And listen, you are so much more than that. Let my gaze produce hope.
Let my gaze break everything that has held you back. Like Hagar in Genesis. I've seen the God who sees me. Listen, everything changes when you understand that the God of the universe is looking upon you. He loves you. He cares. If you're in this place and you feel insignificant, it's time to allow the gaze of Jesus to fall upon you and realize that the blood he shed, he shed for you. You have a price tag upon your life and that price tag reads Jesus. If you're in this place and you feel like your decisions have disqualified you from service within the kingdom of God, I rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus that would tell you that. You, don't, you didn't qualify yourself. You can't disqualify yourself. You are qualified by the blood of Jesus. Period. It's time to come out from under the fig tree. It's time to come out. It's time to be in the light of Jesus. It's time to live in freedom, true freedom. Everything depends on it. Everything. Everything. The other services, I, I asked if you knew what your moment was, if you would stand up. I'm going to do it a little bit differently in this service. If we could take a moment, I just want everybody to stand up. Don't look at me like that. You're, you're fine. You've been sitting for 27 minutes. And I just want you to put yourself in a place of receiving with your eyes closed. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now to reveal to your heart. Say, Holy Spirit, where was my fig tree moment? Am I stuck? And invite the Holy Spirit to heal your heart. Some of you, it was words spoken over you that you haven't gotten over. Some of you, it was, may have been abuse. Some of you, it was loss. But as we end this time in just, in just some worship, I really feel like the Holy Spirit wants to just wash over you and just tell you, I see you. I see see you. If you're in this place and you're saying, listen, I just need someone to partner with me in prayer. I just want to release this to the Father like I never have before. I need to do something outside of the box. I agree with you. I think God just, I think he loves it when we respond. If you want to come to the front of this place as we worship, I encourage you just to lift your heart, lift your hands and worship and somebody will meet you in this place who will just partner with you in prayer and releasing the healing power of Jesus. But church, we got time. Let's spend some time in his presence right now because it is in his presence that everything changes. Amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I release your healing love, your gaze upon every circumstance and situation that has held us back from freedom with you. Father, I thank you for courage in this room right now. That, that there is courage to step into breakthrough by responding to the call to get out from under the fig tree and to live a life of freedom. 
Let your presence wash over us in the name of Jesus, I pray.